0: morning LEFC. my name is Tyler Morris and I'm the assistant director of student ministries here at LEFC. and it is a joy to be able to stand before you and preach and get into God's word this morning you know if you sit with me on Sunday mornings I probably say this just about every week that is the most hype intro video ever I love it and it gets me excited to preach so I pray that it would uh, get you excited to listen (laughs) as well we are going to be continuing in our series "Encounter Jesus" this morning, and we are going to be in John 15. So, if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in John 15. If you do not have one, the ushers are walking around now, and they would love to give you one. Just put your hand up. Also, you can use the U version app and go into the events tab, and all of the verses will be under there. So, John 15, we're going to be looking at verses one to eight this morning. So, here's what I want to do. I want to go through the context. Well, we're going to read through the verses. I wanna go through the context of John 15. I wanna go through the characters, identify the characters in it, and then we're gonna spend most of our time in verses four to five to actually see the teaching of Jesus. So, verse one, we read along with me. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. For no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away, withers, Withers, such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, and showing yourselves to be my disciples. So, John chapter 15 falls in a section in John from 13 to 18. And all of these events, so five chapters worth of content, all takes place on Thursday evening before the Passover. So Jesus is going to be betrayed the next day, or that evening. He's going to be crucified the next day. Five chapters worth. So this is one of Jesus' last um, dialogues with his disciples before he heads to the cross. An interesting point that I want to make, um, going back to the start of that context, in chapter 13, Jesus uh, he institutes the Lord's Supper, He washes the disciples' feet, and in that story, he makes a unique phrase, and he says, "You are clean, though not every one of you." So he says that to his disciples in chapter 13. Now I want you to look at verse three in chapter 15. He says, "You are already clean." Because of the word I have spoken to you. Do you see the difference? You're already clean, though not every one of you in 13. And now in 15, you're already clean. The difference was the unclean one has left. So in chapter 13, Judas, it says Satan has entered Judas and he left the fellowship. Right after they took the Lord's Supper. So the unclean one has left, which now leaves the 11 disciples, those who are clean. There's not an unclean one left. Now, the reason I want to focus on that and highlight the Judas being dismissed and it's only the 11, because this is who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to 11 clean, true disciples in Christ. And the reason that's important is because I don't think he's trying to tell them, hey, here's how you gain a relationship with me. Or he's not trying to tell them, here's how you lose your relationship with me. Rather, the focus is he's trying to say, here's what it's like to walk in a relationship with me, So, I will not be able to address verses 2, the, those who are cut off, and verse 6, those who wither and burn, because I don't think that's the point. I, wanna, I don't want to get lost in those things that we miss the teaching on how do true believers, true disciples, walk in a relationship with Jesus. So, that is what I want to, those, those of you I want to focus on this morning is, those of you who are true, clean disciples... Christians in Christ, turn from your sins, place your faith in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Because that's who I think Jesus is talking to in this moment. So that's the, that's the context. The foundation, we're gonna go through the characters. There's vines, there's branches, there's gardeners. Who, what's happening here? So I wanna look back through at verses one to three, focus in there, because I think all of the characters are identified there. So read along with me and see if you can spot who's mentioned and who is who. In verse 1, I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So, right off the bat, we see a vine, a gardener, branches, and fruit. So, this is Jesus speaking to his 11 disciples. So, Jesus is the true vine. This is the last I am statement, actually, in the book of John. I am the true vine. And so when he says true vine, what I think of is, why did he have to say true? Why, why, I mean, in verse 5, he said, I'm the vine. So why, why in this first verse does he say the true vine? Is he trying to distinguish himself from a, a false vine? I think the answer would be Yes. Um, If you you look back at uh, vineyard vine language, it goes deep into the Old Testament. Its roots, no pun intended, go deep into the Old Testament in regards to Israel. And it it is found in Isaiah 5, Ezekiel 15, and Ezekiel 17, that Israel was intended to be the vine in the vineyard of God. They were tasked with bearing fruit for God's glory, as well as being a blessing to the nations. Yet, Israel... Failed. They failed in their faithfulness, in their fervor, and their fruitfulness. They did not accomplish all that God had called them to. So, yes, there was a need for a true vine, one that would produce fruit and would be a blessing to the nations. Where Israel failed, Jesus accomplished. He is the true vine. So we see the vine, we see uh, the gardener. The father is identified as the gardener. gardener. And we see this language all throughout John. The the father-son language is all over the place. And it's a beautiful picture of the father tends to the son, to the source. He takes care of the garden. He takes care of the vine. How these two work interconnectedly together. Jesus is the vine. The father is the gardener. We also see that the disciples here, the 11 clean, true disciples... Are the branches. And I also think that includes us, those of us who are in Christ. We become true branches connected into the vine. The last one that's mentioned is, is fruit. And it doesn't explicitly say this in John 15, but in looking at the New Testament as abroad, it, it it's all forms of godliness, all expressions of, of godliness. So a lot of people like to go to the fruit of the Spirit. Absolutely. This fruit, fruit of the spirit, um, fruit of of goodness and righteousness and obedience and purity, all of those things. It's it's a very broad term used to describe expressions of a godly life. So we have the vine, the father, disciples, and the fruit. So I believe that this lays a good foundation for us to be able to, as we read, identify what's his teaching. And we're going to focus in on on verses 4 and 5 mainly to see What did he say to his disciples and how does it apply to us? So before we get into this section, would you pray with me? And and by pray with me, I, I do genuinely mean engage with me in prayer. Don't just listen. Pray with me. Pray for me. I need it. Pray for your hearts and your minds that you would be receptive. Engage me in prayer. So let's pray. Lord, I ask for this time, Lord. As we get into your word, this is where the power is. It is the sword of the spirit. This word is sharper and active, um, Lord, and it pierces to the heart, to the mind, to the soul, and to the spirit. Lord, nothing is hidden before you this morning. Would you give us soft hearts? Would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear your word? To see Christ as the true vine. Above all, Holy Spirit, I ask that we would encounter you, Jesus. Encounter you through your word. In your name I pray, amen. So this morning I have one question that I think John 15 answers, specifically Jesus answers. And it is this. What are the foundational elements to living a fruitful and godly life for the glory of God? Foundational elements, meaning if we were to miss these or neglect these or forget these elements, it would literally cause our Christian life to begin to crumble underneath us. These are so foundational that is the essence of the Christian walk, these elements that Jesus teaches in here. So the first element of a, of a godly, fruitful Christian life, I think, is the centrality of Christ. Centrality of Jesus Christ. Look at me with me in verse four. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So in the picture of a vine, branches, and fruit, as you're thinking through that, what do you think is the most foundational part of that equation? The most important part of that equation would be the vine, right? No one looks at the fruit and goes, those branches are incredible. Like, look how great those branches are in producing fruit. Because we know if the branches weren't connected to the vine, if they were just laying on the ground, there wouldn't be any fruit, right? The most important aspect of that equation is the vine. Vine branches fruit. It's the vine because it's the source. It is the source by which the branches find nutrients and the source by which they produce fruit. And that's why Jesus uses this analogy for Christians. He goes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Jesus is the source. The person of Jesus. I don't just mean to talk about Jesus as like, he's floating around somewhere in heaven, which is way out there. I want to narrow in on on a person Jesus has a glorified body and he is sitting on a throne right now. That person, Jesus. His beauty, his love, his death, his resurrection, all that encompasses Jesus. If our church, if we personally do not know Jesus, are not in all of Jesus, then we have no hope for producing fruit. We- this is why we've done this in series, this series encounter Jesus. I mean, it says it in the title. We want you to encounter Jesus because he's it. He is the best thing that we have to offer you. There is nothing uh, more worthy of praise, more worthy of serving and more worthy of our lives than Jesus. We've already found, this is the last I am statement. We have found that Jesus is the word. He is the lamb. He is the Messiah, the bread of life, the light of the world. He is the great I am. Jesus is the door, the good shepherd, the resurrection, the way, and He is the true vine. He is all of those things. He is at the center of Christianity, and it is Jesus and Jesus alone. If there is no, if the, if there's no Jesus, there's no church. Without Jesus, there's no branches. Without Jesus, there's no fruit. He is the most foundational element of the Christian life. It is Jesus. He is the vine. We are the branches. So, my question for you this morning as, as a believer, as a true Christian, the Spirit lives in you. Is He the source? Is He the center of your life? Or have you become the center of your life? You have become self sufficient. Or maybe in this season of politics, news and a political party has become the source of your life. My call this morning would be to again return to the vine of Christ. Return to the only true source who has living waters. A well that will never run dry. Return to Christ. Nothing is more foundational to your Christian walk than Jesus Christ as the vine. This this leads me into my second foundational element to the Christian life, and that is knowing our need for Christ. So the first one is the centrality of Christ. But now we're flipping it to to us almost, to the branches, knowing our need for Christ. We're going to look back at verses 4 and 5 again, and I want you to focus on the negative statements that Jesus makes. Not necessarily the positive, the negative ones he makes towards the branches. See if you can spot them with me as I read. In verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Did you catch him? In verse 4, no branch can bear fruit by itself. We can't bear fruit by ourselves. In verse 4, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in Christ. You can't bear fruit unless you remain in Christ. And then the one I want to focus on is in verse 5. He says at the end, apart from me you can do nothing. Does that land with you? Nothing not some things a few things most things apart from him you can do nothing do you see what he's getting at there's nothing special nothing grand about the branches on their own they cannot produce fruit they cannot express the godly life that we are called to they can't kill sin they can't show love they can't show christian witness none of that the branches aren't that great they're not that special My question for you this morning would be, do you feel your need for Christ? Not do you intellectually or theologically deduce, I'm a sinner, so yes, I must need Christ in order to receive eternal life. Do you feel it? Like, does every fiber in your spiritual being go, I am totally dependent on Jesus, utterly dependent on Christ and Christ alone? Sadly for myself, often that answer is is no. I'm not dependent on Christ. I wake up most mornings and go, apart from Christ, I think I can fulfill all the tasks I need to today. That's where I sit. And that is sin in my heart, and it it, it seems to never die, this dependency on Christ. And and I wonder how many of you would sit there as well and go, "I I don't know if I desperately need Christ. So, so why is that? Why do I struggle with this sense of independence? Why do many of us struggle with this? Well, I, I think at its root, what I mentioned, it's, it's sin in our hearts. At the deepest root, it's sin that goes, we're, we're prideful. We think that we can do it on our own. But I also think it is because of the culture that we live in as well. See, we live in America, and America as a culture shouts independence from its rooftops. I mean, we have a document that our country was founded on called the Declaration of Independence. This is where we were founded independently. We are our highest authority. We don't like when other people tell us what to do. We don't need them. We've got it on our own. We live in a culture that, that, that says the power for success is inside of you. If you just are determined enough, you have enough willpower, and you try, you can accomplish anything. I mean, th- this is our county as well, right? Hard work, discipline. That where you are at today is because of the way that you have worked your stinking tail off. And I'm not saying that all of these things are bad. But I do want to show you what it can do to our hearts, to our minds, and to our souls. Because I genuinely think that this lie that Satan is bringing is the biggest one that he is assaulting Christian Americans with. And that is, you are independent. You can do it. Let me give an example. If culture says we're independent, then when we get into our spiritual walk, we begin to go, oh, I... I don't know if I need God then. I, I must be able to do it. Culture's told me I can do it, so in my spiritual walk I must be able to do it. If culture has told me that the power is inside of me, I just gotta search deep for it. Well, if I wanna produce fruit, live a godly life, obey God, then I guess the power's in me. I better find it. I better look inside and find the power. If culture says that success comes through self-discipline, well then, how am I gonna honor God in life? I better work very hard and be self-disciplined. And I don't think that's at all what God's word says. He says in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. They are laboring, but it says unless the Lord is the one who builds it, it's in vain. It's all in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. You can have the best guard watch, But unless the Lord's watching it, that city's not safe. He says in the Beatitudes, in Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. It's not the independent ones who are strong. It's the meek and those who are poor in spirit. In Romans 7, Paul says, I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. He wanted to do right, but he didn't have the power. The power wasn't in him to carry out that desire. James 4 hits on this a little bit. He says, submit yourselves to God. Wash your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. And here's what it is. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. The kingdom of God is entirely different than the kingdom of our culture. And our king is not looking for independent people who have the power in them. He's looking for those who are humble, for those who are meek, lowly in heart, broken, contrite in spirit, and those who are dependent, dependent on Jesus and Jesus alone. Branches in Christ, believers, has that lie crept into your heart Has it crept into your mind where you have bought the lie that you can do this Christian walk on your own, apart from Christ, apart from his body? My my prayer for the past month has genuinely been begging God that he would humble us, myself included, and show us how truly desperately in need we are of Jesus. That he would humble us, that we would then submit ourselves to the Lord And walk by his spirit and realize, apart from him, we can do nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. And this is why, um, excuse me, if you're going through suffering or a trial right now, if there is sin in your life that doesn't seem to die, just keeps coming up, if there's physical pain in your life, if there's emotional pain, my prayer, my encouragement, it sounds weird at first, would be to give up. Give up assuming you have the power. Give up saying that you have to fight this on your own and admit you're too weak. You're too needy. You're too sinful. You need Christ. And would you submit yourself and run to him and go, Jesus, divine, the source, I need you. I cannot get through this on my own. Please. I am desperate. I am dependent on you, Jesus. Would you run to Jesus? Give up hope in yourself, for there is hope that is found in Christ. So that is my second foundational element of the Christian life. The first one is Jesus is the center. And the second one is we must know our need, our desperate need for the vine, for the source of Christ. I think this leads us into our third one as well. What is our response to all of this? If the Spirit's working in your hearts now, what, what, how do we respond? How do we respond to this, I might not be dependent on Christ? And I think this leads into our third one, which is to radically remain connected to Christ. Run to him, remain connected to Christ. Something um, I I share with our middle schoolers a lot when we study scripture is I say, do you see any repeated words or phrases that just keep coming up? Because obviously if they keep saying it, they kind of think it's important. It's something that we should focus on. So I want to ask you the same question this morning. In our section one to eight, do you see repeated words or repeated phrases in there? I, I, I see, depending on your translation, Abide or remain. It, it is used eight different times in eight verses. Like, clearly, this is essential. There's something really important here. Now, I want to define that real quickly as well because it essentially means to be actively, consistently pursuing and being connected to something. So, I want to go back and, and read verses four and five through this lens again. See if you catch who's remaining in who. See how many times it uses it. So let's read back through verses, verses four and five. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I in the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Did this last section work in your heart at all? Talking about knowing your need for Christ. Is the spirit working in you now? Then let this be your response. Remain in Christ. Run to him. Confess your need. Repent from your sins. Remain connected to Christ. Walk in him. Draw sustenance and life and strength from him. Walk by the power of his spirit. Because this This, remaining in Christ, is the only way that you will be able to produce fruit. To live a godly life for the glory of God. The only way. It is the only way you will find true joy. You will find true and deep abiding love is in the presence of Jesus. Is being connected to the vine. It's the only way that you can rejoice in your sufferings. Rejoice in your sufferings is if you're connected to the vine. It is the only way to find victory over your sin, and the only way that you will be able to obey God's commands is if you radically remain connected to the vine of Christ. And all of this is because he remains in us. Look at the very first part of verse 4. He says, remain in me, Jesus speaking, as I remain in you. I've been focusing on the branches, on the Christian's role. Remain in Christ, remain in Christ. But now look at what Jesus says. He goes, I remain in you. I actively, consistently remain connected to you, true believer and Christian. The the king and the savior says he remains in us through his spirit. Through Christ's work on the cross, even when we have strayed, even when we have fallen into sin, Even when we have done a terrible job at remaining in Christ, it says he remains in us. What a beautiful picture of a relationship with Jesus. Us remaining in him. He remaining in us. The vine and the branches, the branches in the vine. So remain in Christ then, for he remains in you. Remain in his love and his joy and his grace, because he remains in you. actively pursue and be connected to Christ. So my, my question practically out of this is, are there some things that you need to radically alter in your life to make this remaining possible? Maybe you need to, maybe need to start new family rhythms so that you can remain connected with Christ as a family. Maybe it's cutting out TV putting away social media, turning off the news so that you can remain connected to your Savior. You can remain connected to Christ. Maybe you need to get creative on, on how you can join the body of Christ, the body of the vine again. I don't, know, I don't know how the Spirit is working specifically in your heart, but I pray that you would find a genuine practical way to go, here's what I can do to remain in Christ. And look what this remaining in Christ leads to. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Apart from Christ, we can bear no fruit. But now look, when we remain in Christ, look at the promise in verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Here it is. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. Apart from him, there's no fruit. With Christ, there is now hope of fruit and living a godly life. There's now hope to obey his commands. Hope to kill your sin. Hope to be salt and light to the world. I want you to look down in verse 16 because he continues on this. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit and fruit that will last. In Christ now, our fruit will last. Not because we're the source, but because Christ is the one sustaining it. He sustains the fruit. So now we can, with Paul, say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things through Christ who strengthens me. I can endure my sufferings. I can endure my trials now because I have the vine. I have the source. I can now kill that sin that never seems to die because I'm connected to the vine and the source by the Holy Spirit. I can put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. I can now, through Christ, obey his commands. I can live a godly life. It's possible. The answer is just not in you. It's not in me. There is hope for a fruitly, a fruitful and godly life, and it is found in Christ. Christ alone. So all of this, I want to kind of zoom back out again and see where we've come. All of this is based on our question this morning, right? What are the foundational elements to living a fruitful and godly life for the glory of God? We have seen that it is the centrality of Jesus Christ. That's the first one. The second one is when we know our desperate need for Christ. And the last one was to radically remain in Christ. Follow the logic here. If we know our need for Christ, it should lead us to go, we need to remain in Christ. When we remain in Christ, we produce fruit in Christ. And all of this fruit is then for the glory of God. And that is where I want to end this morning. I want you to look at verse eight. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. And showing yourselves to be my disciples. All of this, all that I have said this morning, is for this purpose alone. That if you would feel your need, it would lead you to remain in Christ. And then you would bear fruit, also that God would get glory. I mean, think about it. When you look at that fruit, it's not meant to point to the branches, it's meant to point to the vine. It's meant to go back as its source being God. So would you feel your need for Christ, for the glory of God? Would you radically remain in Christ for the glory of God? And would you bear fruit for the glory of God in him alone? Amen. We are going to be going into a time of just personal reflection to end our service. And the band is going to come up and sing, Lord, I need you again. I would challenge you during this time to just stay seated. Stay seated. Meditate, confess, pray, sing along to the words as however the spirit leads for you to spend time with Jesus now. So the first song is personal reflection and then we're going to go into the second one. And we're going to proclaim that Jesus is our all in all. He is worthy. He alone is worthy. He alone is our source. He alone is our strength for fruit. And I would challenge you during that second song to stand and sing and proclaim the beauties of Christ. So during this first song, just spend a little time in in meditation with Jesus.
1: stand with us and sing these words. You are my strength when I am weak You are the treasure that I seek You are my all in all Seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord to give up I'd be a fool
0: have truly encountered Jesus this morning by his spirit and by his word. If you would like um, to to pray, I challenge you to get someone who you came with as a friend. If you're at home, to grab a family member. Um, We also have an encounter room under the stadium seating back there to the left, and we have people who would love to continue to pray with you. I want to end with a prayer from Paul in Ephesians 3. So would you receive this blessing as we go out. He says, I pray that of his glorious riches, he might strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than all we ask or seek or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever, amen. Thank you for attending this morning and we hope to see you next week. You are dismissed.